0: Good morning. Ready for week 26? The fruit of the Holy Spirit. And this week we're looking at love. And I know that we are still one week behind on our catechism. So one of these weeks I've got to do two of them. But this week I'm putting that off once again and we're only doing one. We're looking at love. And the first question, is love optional for Christians? No. The fruit of the Spirit is commanded. Galatians 5.16, Walk in the Spirit. We are focusing in this section of the Catechism on the fruit of the Spirit, what they are. just looking at some different passages that teach us this morning, for example, on love. But let's not lose sight of the broader passage that this is commanded. In other words, the fruit of the Spirit are not given to us as a suggestion that if we get around to it, perhaps you can consider living like this. But it's a command, and that's why the study we did last week is so, so important for us to refer back to, that we pursue love in the proper biblical way. What is love? Second question, love seeks the good of another, even at a cost to yourself. Now, you could probably come up with a good definition of biblical love. It's important that we, just in our own minds, we want to define love based on God's word. Not based on our own opinions or feelings. Definitely not based on what the world around us says. So you could put this in different words. This is just my way of summarizing that love is what seeks the good of the other person, even at a cost to ourselves. In other words, it's the opposite of seeking the harm of someone. Love is not just about actions. It's about attitude. It's about words. And it is about actions. It's about all three. Like all God's commands. And like all obedience is to be the heart, the mind, the words, the life. John 15, 12 to 14. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. There it is again that it's commanded. Verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. No one, no one can do a greater act of love than laying down your life for the benefit or for the blessing of someone else. Of course, Jesus does that to the utmost, to the extreme. He lays down his life for our sins so that we could be forgiven. So he's sought our good, even at the cost, to himself, at great cost to himself, the ultimate cost. To himself, his life, for the ultimate blessing and benefit for other people, for us, our life. 1 John 3.16. John 3.16 is so classic and so cherished and so famous, and it should be. But 1 John 3.16 should also be, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers or for the brethren. By this we know love. It's just a way of saying, here's how we know what love is. Here's the clearest picture of love. Jesus laid down his life for us. He died for us. He died in our place. He died so that we could live. Seeking the good of another at a great cost, or even, even at a cost to ourselves. And the greatest cost, the greatest love is laying down life for another person. Or for a group of people. Uh, showing love to others does take sacrifice. Right? Sometimes we just have to sacrifice our time. Sometimes we sacrifice our energy. Sometimes we sacrifice money. Sometimes we sacrifice a toy. Maybe if you wanted to play with that toy, but you sacrifice. Uh, sometimes we sacrifice just our own preferences. What, what I want to happen or what you want to happen love showing love takes sacrifice but it's for the blessing of others so the next question is what encourages me toward love we all need encouragement toward love and now we could have seemingly an endless list if we were to go through scripture or just off the top of your head you know different things in god's word that encourage you toward love i've picked out i believe four which i think would be good. It's like four broad categories number 1 It encourages toward love to remember that God is worthy of our love. He deserves it. God should be loved. God must be loved. And so now here we're getting to the the first great command, which is to love God. Loving others is the second great command, and that will come after that. But it's going to be grounded on loving God. An illustration would be parents commanding their children or teaching their children to respect each other. Well, if the child doesn't care about what the parent wants, if the child doesn't respect the parent and the parent's wishes, they're not going to respect each other. So first they must respect the parent, and then they can respect the parent's wishes to respect each other. Does that make sense, kids? God is worthy of our love. He deserves it. Luke 7 37 through 38, and then 47 also. Now, I encourage you to go back and read this passage in your devotions tonight. There's a lot of scriptures on this week's study. I encourage you to go back and read the second half of Luke 7, of this whole story. Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, she learned that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster flask of ointment, a very expensive thing of perfume, of oil, very expensive. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, wipe them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. So it's a, sh- it's a sign of her repenting, of her showing love and worship toward Jesus. Later in the story, after Jesus teaches the lesson, this is sort of the, the punchline of the lesson. Verse 47, Therefore I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she's loved much. He who is forgiven little loves little. God should be loved and Jesus should be loved just for who they are. But when you add to that what they've done, that they've forgiven our sins, that gratitude and that love should be flowing out of us. God really is worthy of our love and deserves our love, no matter what the world around us would say. Number two, an encouragement toward love is that love helps people. People in our families actually need our love. It's a blessing to them. People in our churches, they need love. People need to be shown grace. It is a spiritual need that people have. People in the neighborhood, people at work, at school, friends, people need love. Not just to see an example of love, that's one aspect of it, but actually to be a recipient of love, of sacrificial love. It helps people. It encourages people. Showing people grace actually does minister to them and build them up. And it's not just an educational thing. That's part of it. It it is educational to see an example and to learn about what love is. But the actual blessing of receiving love is good for people. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7, love is patient, kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing. In other words, you don't get happy when your brother gets in trouble. You're actually sad about that. You're sad um, with them and for them. But rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Number three, you can flip the page over. Another encouragement toward love is that nothing shows the example of God's love more than sacrificial love. Right? Sacrificial love in us, through us, is an example of God's love. 1 John 4, 7-12 through 12 is an amazing passage. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And who does not love does not know God. Anyone who does not Love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. Verse 10, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us, and He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's referring to the cross. That means a blood sacrifice that takes away sin, that turns away judgment for sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. It reaches its goal in us. God's love to us reaches its further goal in that through us, his love is now made manifest to the world. It is an example of God's love, of the love of the father to sacrifice his son, the love of the son to sacrifice himself for us. As he loved us, we therefore love each other. Number four, the final one, another encouragement, a great encouragement, a great reminder to each one of us, a sober reminder for all of us. For, uh, apart from love, religious activity is meaningless. Apart from love, true love, religious activity is fake. Fake. It may make us feel good about ourselves for doing religion, but it is meaningless. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have a prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing if I give away all I have all that all that you have give away all that you have deliver up your body to be burned but have not love I gain nothing a defining mark of being a true child of God is love not just religious activity are feeling good about religious activity, getting excited about religious activity, but love true love now where it says important reminders and slash help for helps for prayer that is in gray i 'm not going to go over this every week, but i'm going to have this section on here every week so that we remember that we 're pursuing not just moralism but Christian obedience. So what keeps me from love? Three things. The same three things that keep us from any true obedience. Pride and selfishness. That's the sin inside of us. Uh, The bad examples and distractions. That's the world around us. And temptations and lies. That's the devil. The world, the flesh, the devil. The world around us, the sin within us, and the devil. So that will help us in prayer to remember those, help to shape our prayer lives and what we're asking for. Ask me to fight against these things, God. And what makes love truly Christian, truly ethical? Motive, goal, and the standard are three things you can remember. The motive, the goal, and the standard. Again, this is the same for any point of Christian obedience, any point of ethics. Christian love will come from the right motive. Love for God, love for God, gratitude for God. It aims at the right goal, to honor and glorify God. Not just so other people think better of us. It aims at the right goal, it has the right motive in the heart, and it conforms to the right standard, which is God's holy law. Love is obedience. All other obedience starts with love. There's no such thing as being obedient, but not having a love for God. And there's no such thing as having a love for God that doesn't bear the fruit of obedience the right motive, goal, and standard. And finally, again, I'm not going to go over this section every week, but I'm going to have this on the printout every week so that you can always refer back to these things and help you in your prayers. This will always be the final point that I would want to make. Does my love help earn God's favor? In other words, the way that I love God, the way that I love others, does that help me earn God's favor? Does that increase God's, grace toward me the answer is no with an exclamation point for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law romans 3 28 our love comes from god's work in us which is by his grace and by his spirit any love that we have is the result of a work of god in us it's not a work that we do to earn god's favor It's because God has shown us favor, and He's produced in us a love, an otherworldly love by His Spirit to love Him and love each other. So, the fruit of the Spirit, the first one, love. Let's start there and pray as we go that God would grow us in this for His glory, for His namesake.